By the way, I don't know if you know about the uh, Swamp Rabbit Cafe and Grocery, Swamp Rabbit Cafe and Grocery. It's a small, um, you know, farms, you know, sustainable sourcing, um, holistic kind of, you know, stuff. Um, and they have breads and cheeses and all sorts of really good food locally sourced, uh, of course, here in Greenville, South Carolina. And Swamp Rabbit is a reference to um, a, a rail line that used to go through this area, uh, which itself was a reference to um, a famous Revolutionary War hero who was known as the Swamp Rabbit because the British couldn't find him. And he would emerge from the swamp and, you know, attack Bannister, Bannister Tarleton and then go back into the swamp and that sort of thing. Um, so he was known as the Swamp Rabbit and so there was fox. A swamp, swamp Fox, whatever the fuck it was. Right? But <laughs> he, he moved like a rabbit. <laughs> but he was a fox. <laughs> um, yeah, it is an animal. But yeah, um, anyway, so that has nothing to do with ethics. Um, uh, and Chris, you know, I'm, I'm corporately sponsored by my mother. Yeah. <sighs> Ten nice. for all your whatever. All your, all your hot chocolate requirements. That's right. Yeah. Is that what you're drinking? Yeah. Hot chocolate? Yeah, this is my... This is my your ad here mug. Hello, people. <laughs> it needs to be green so we can like put an ad on it, right? You can exactly. we can we can put your ad on this thing. That's awesome. I'm for right. sale. I mean, we're talking about ethics. I'm telling you, I'm for sale. <laughs> or at least for rent. Very nice. There's the cold open right there. All right. This is about ethics, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm for sale. <laughs> That's it. All in. All Your in. ad yeah. here. Welcome to another episode of Consultants Saying Things. I am Chris Lockhart. Uh, today, we're talking about uh, ethics in consulting, um, you know, and, and thinking about, you know, how we frame up um, what is good versus evil and right versus wrong and making sure that we advise our clients and doing the right thing in the right way and acting ourselves as, you know, ethical uh, participants um, in the consulting business. So, uh, Phil, you brought this up. I want to throw to you sort of, you know, we were talking about Facebook, I think, last time. And, you know, I, I always think of Google as, you know, kind of this big evil corporation and all these sorts of things, right? And so I know that there, you know, we can't advise Facebook and Google necessarily right at this point in time, but we can help other consultants think this thing through. So I'm going to throw to you for a little bit on that. To me, right? I think I think in for all of us, there's this idea of what does it mean to act with virtue? And that's the piece of that that I am bringing, right? So in modern parlance without bringing some other philosophical framework into play. We just have to say, what does it mean to be ethical and do what we do? And I think particularly when we're doing something that's so highly leveraged, right? Consulting inside of technology, there's lots of opportunity to be a bad actor. 
And I think we have to figure out what does that mean to be a good actor and how do we, how can we become the philosopher consultant, right? How can we become the person who acts with virtue inside this space? Where are the guardrails? And the thing is, you might work for a big sophisticated firm that has given you lots of training and you might be with somebody who has never told you anything about it. And you got to figure that out on your own. So we ought, I think we ought to talk about that. There's a lot of things we can do as consultants. And of course, there's always the getting more business, more profit as motivator. But at the end of the day, it comes down to integrity of our firm and integrity of us as individuals. Um, you know, things that may be written or not written, such as maybe not taking on work we're not qualified for, providing advice we're not qualified for, things like that. But I also think, I'd like to throw out too, that I think um, in our, our world of, of technology, our very connected world, the choices we make, uh, the things we are involved in for clients, the, the solutions we build, um, I think they have a big impact on the world. And I also think it's it's up to us to um, you know, think about the stakeholders, think about the impacts of those solutions and, and raise our voice, right? When we see concerns and, and help guide in the very important role we are. Yeah, you know, and when I, so when I think about that, right, and I think about what what you know ethics and consulting, right? I think there are some things that we would all agree on, right? Like, do no harm to your client, right? Don't hurt them, <laughs> right? In the pursuit of profit or what have you. But are there other things that are maybe a little less obvious, you know, that are subjective um, in terms of what ethics are? Maybe culturally, or I don't know, politically, nationally, ideologically. Oliver, you're in the UK. You guys, you have you have different different sets of ethics, right? <laughs> yeah, we do. You have warm beer, for example. I would call that an ethical violation, but etc. <laughs> Has to be the right warm beer, though. It can't just be you know, it can't, it can't be lager. It's got to be you know, ale. It's got to be stout or something. But anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, no, look, this 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 topic's a really fascinating one for me. Um, you know, my my previous life, there was a lot of compliance training. You know, it was drilled into us to do the right thing, even to the point of which we were discussing before we hit the record button. You know, the degree of what financial investments I have. You know, is there a potential conflict of interest there? Um, that's all very difficult to navigate. But I think the other thing um, with my sort of current hat on in working in sort of cyber and technology, you know, cybersecurity and technology is. You know, actually, what 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 are you building with your client, and what vulnerabilities might it have? And I don't just mean security vulnerabilities, because we talked about Facebook, right? The social engineering, or almost social and um, de democracy kind of hacking that can occur as a result of, as a result of collecting data innocently, perhaps initially. Then you know, comes the opportunity for someone to mine that, build some kind of model on top of that, which actually then is is rather unethical because you're influencing you know election results, which you know, so going back to the UK point of the question, that is where it's really quite cutting for me is I feel like we have been manipulated in the UK due to, you know, the, the Cambridge Analytica stuff that um, Phil was sort of referencing. You know, and, and that for me feels like you know, that is where there was a data consultancy or a social media you know, uh, company really not playing, playing ball, right? So um, I think this is kind of deep. It, it's, it perhaps starts with some sort of obvious sort of common sense, maybe, you know, moral code, but it goes far deeper depending on where you are. And it's no more complex and nuanced than the technology sphere right now, I would say. 
So is this is this a thing where it's like you know I haven't my own my own internal moral code and that that gets reflected in sort of the ethical values that I I practice and uh, and I advise my cons- my clients on, or is this you know you know there there should be you know like what what Paul Price talks about right about like a you know uh, a standard right that says mm. you know here are the ten rules of consulting ethics. Right. And if you violate one of them, you, 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 you're kicked out of the bar or whatever. Right. You know, that sort of like a, like a, like a law person would be right. You, you violate your ethics, you're, you're out consulting. It seems a lot more wishy-washy. I don't know, Phil, is it an internal code or is there something that we can codify here that says it's these 10 rules? I think that's exactly the issue that's here. Right. And the thing is when we start, right, we do a thing and we have, tradition, we have culture, we have the mas maiorum, right? We have these whole ideas that we, but but they're not written down in the beginning. And then we get to the point we write them. And at some point, we might even codify them into law at some point, right? And that and that's the way that we say, we look, we want to make sure we're all playing by the same rule book. And this is what the rule book looks like. But in this case, I mean, technology has just moved so fast that we've not codified those rules. I mean, if you look like in America, right? Right? We don't have good laws around um, uh, fair trade and all of those kinds of things in the tech space because it just didn't catch up, right? I mean, those the laws haven't caught up. So at the same time, we're trying to figure this out, but we all think we all know what the right thing is. And I'm not even sure we all always agree on it. And that's a conversation that I hope that we are having here today is to say, Look, I mean, there are some rules. We think there are some good go-by rules. And if you're in a regulated industry and you've got, you know, HIPAA or cybersecurity or ISOC or something like that, you've got certain rules around which you must have to follow. But in some places you don't and you have to make a decision and we got to figure out how do we how do we come up with that? How do we come up with the rules and how do we do this in our for ourselves? Governments are definitely paying catch up, aren't they? And I think it's interesting if you look at like you say, Phil, the financial services space with its sort of strict regulatory frameworks that came off the back of, you know, the the, the financial crises that we've had, right? And I think what we're going through, though, is a crisis of, um, you know, in, in, in some cases, democracy, which which doesn't feel like it's been... I think the reason this is still dragging on is if you look at the sort of digital platform sort of space and the social network space, I don't really... I think most people don't feel like the right regulatory regime or rules or even framework guidelines were put in for these companies to... To follow, um, and the governments are still catching up with that. I mean, I know in the UK we've got stuff going in for telcos, for our telecoms providers, and for our critical national infrastructure. But I still don't see yet, um, and maybe it's because of massive lobbying or funding of political parties. I don't see the the the, the, regula- the regulatory you know, laws coming to govern the use of data in the way that we've kind of been talking about right and i know this is one specific area because you could apply ethics to a number of different business areas but for me the whole data and ai you know algorithms that can potentially create adverse outcomes for you know the customers that are ultimately using these these things is an area that i feel governments are just way way behind and it's and you know i still don't see enough signs that it's going to get better quickly i agree entirely i don't want to jump ahead of wendy but i mean i think i agree 
entirely on this. And we don't know. And the thing is, we start with the idea, a naive idea that, oh, if we have this data, we can do some good. But we don't ask ourselves the question, who will do bad with this data? And that is where I think that we get in trouble. And I think Wendy's ready to jump in on that. But No, uh, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think taking an idea of a code or a code of ethics seriously is it's the time to consider this. And if I think about the, the, the doctor's oath, which I won't pretend to be an expert in, but, but it transcends everything, right? Putting the patient first because in, in the role of a consultant, well, where is, where's my, where's my loyalty or where's my honor? Where's my responsibility to my own ethics, to what my consulting firm thinks are ethics, to what the client wants to do, or just to, really stretch this in the spirit of some of the examples you've given, if the patient in this case is the society and the organizations that contribute to that society, it does put a lot more seriousness on a code and what we all need to do. And frankly, that, that applies to consultants and others, right, that are creating solutions. Yeah, you know, I want to I want to back up on the on the, you know, governments are way behind and, uh, you know, arguably, Yes. And of course, they're not experts in any of this. I mean, you think about, you know, like a Facebook, right? And they've got how many tens of thousands of people sitting around trying to figure out how they can use your your picture, right? Or your data, right? And the guy, the poor saps in the bureaucracy in, the, in Washington, you know, they, they can barely, you know, tie their shoes, let alone like figure this stuff out, right? So, you know, but, but there's, there's precedent for not needing some of that in order to get started at the very least, right? I think about like payment card industry, right? Like PCI compliance, right? Yeah, they, they were, but you know what? We're probably going to get regulated on this stuff. We should probably come up with like some standards for our industry. It was, it was market led. It was market driven. Yeah, there was some other stuff around it or like ISO 27001, right? So the international standards around this is right and this is wrong. The consulting industry doesn't have any of that, right? Like we, we were looking at some pre-read stuff, right? And I have it up over here and it's like, you know, here, here's the code of conduct for consultants. And one of them is like, treat others the way you want them to treat you. It's like, really? See, if I don't do that, am I in violation of the ethical code of consulting, right? Like some of the stuff, it, it, it's in my mind, really subjective, really like all over the place. And there's no body that seems to be like, you know, here are the five things you really can't do. You can't get a payout from the client while you're working for them, right? Like, or you can't go to work for the client after you've advised them on yeah. creating a role that happens to be you, right? Like all those sorts of things seem to be things that we could really define. Some of these other things are like, be nice, right? Like, it, it, I, it's not me. <laughs> we just say that way is the golden rule, by the way, that you're quoting saying, is, oh, that, is that really legitimate or not? I don't know. That, that Sounds like a load of cod swallop to me. <laughs> cod swallop. <laughs> I don't even use that term. Yeah. You always turn to me when you, when you say that, but what I was going to say is I think um, the, the big accountancy firms that have consultancies have, have, a, have, have some degree of that, right? The accounting code, the international, uh, I think it's the International Chartered Accountancy. I can't remember the exact acronym to, off, off the top of my head, but there is a whole load of code of conduct around that. But then certainly in the UK, there was, um, I think off the back of Enron, I think it was, the consultancy arms had to be kind of moved to arm's length or sold off. And there was one particular firm that I won't name, you probably guess who it is, who kept their consultancy arm. And, and therefore, uh, perhaps that's why you know, that, that piece was ingrained. But I think you're right. For the consultancy arms that were spun off, all the independent consultancy arms, 
it is somewhat of a wild west scenario. There isn't really that sort of code of code of conduct, I don't think, unless we're unless we just sort of missed it. I mean, I get where it's like if you're an accounting firm or you have or an accounting group, right? Yeah, I gave I gave the example of you know when we were talking before. I, I worked for a company that did not have it was a management consulting firm did not have a, a, a accounting arm, and so the rules were certainly maybe they were lax. I mean, I don't want to use that term. They were different, right? They were not at at a particular standard because they didn't need to be because it wasn't something that was was thought to be necessary. And then that firm was acquired by a firm that was an accounting firm. And suddenly it was like, oh, well, no, you, you know, you, you can't own that mutual fund. You, you know, you, you can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And so like all of the, all of these things that, you know, I understand that I'm thinking, you know, if we, if we, if we exclude accounting for a second, because there are lots of regulatory things around accounting, right. And maybe they differ by country, but generally speaking, you know, they're, they're aligned. And you, you think about like just a firm that doesn't have that capability in it, you know, or even like a technology firm, a technology consulting firm, right? That is, you know, what are the rules? What are the ground rules? Who establishes them? You know, who who gets to say, you know, um, do no harm or whatever whatever the equivalent is, right? In, in consulting, I don't know. There's no body, right, that can say these are the rules for consulting. I mean. I think at some layer, you should be able to say to yourself, I don't think you should break the law while you're doing this, right? But, I mean, <laughs> write that down. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, I mean, I think there are, and that's that established penalties, et cetera, right? I mean, and it, it's funny because I've, I've had this conversation with another group kind of talking about some of these pieces, but, and that was just like one of the first things that came out of their mouths was like, well, I'm not going to break the law for somebody else. I'm just, that is out well without the bounds of what I do. The thing is, we that's where the line is bright and clear. Where we're worried about is where the lines aren't bright and clear. And there's plenty of places that that is the case. I mean, and, you know, again, here we are on both sides of the pond talking about this. We have a very different view of what privacy means and what we are entitled to culturally and legally, right? I mean, in the way those things manifest and, uh, you know, is one right and the other not as right? I, maybe, but I don't know, but we have to figure out what that means to us. It's back to that question of, what harm might come out of what we're doing here and how do we figure that out? Well, you know, that, that bit you said, right? Like there are places don't break the law. That's a bright line. Um, you know, there are tens of thousands of laws, hundreds of thousands of laws. You might not know that you're breaking the law, right? In other words, does intent come into this at all, right? In other words, you, you're, you're at Facebook or, um, you know, Cambridge Analytica, right? You're, you're doing, you're working with this data and, Wham, bam, boop, Bob's your uncle. Now you're going to jail because you didn't know, right, that you weren't supposed to be doing this, that, or the other. I mean, is that, that's not a legal defense, obviously. By the way, no one used that as a legal defense, right? I didn't know, officer. But I mean, is, don't you think there's a, a risk of that, especially in areas, especially in this industry where it's not codified, where it's not clear, where it's not sort of um, itemized, documented? Yeah, I mean, I think you don't know, right? So the, there are pieces, like you said, it is not codified. So how do we decide in those places? And we don't know. But the thing is, when we're 
in, you know, I was thinking about your very examples of being in places where you're dealing with money, right? There's rigor attached to those firms, right? There's rigor because, you know, people get very serious. When we start counting other people's money, it becomes really, really, really serious about it really, really quick. And now my question is, should we not be as serious about this when we're talking about things like privacy? I know things about Oliver that not everybody knows. The law may not have caught up with that yet. I mean, at least in the U.S., right? But don't I owe him something? Now, I thought this was fascinating. I don't know if you listened to the the recent interview between Kara Swisher and Walt Mossberg. Walt Mossberg talks about interviewing Mark Zuckerberg. And he said, I interviewed him multiple times. The guy has no moral compass. He said, I could never get any sense of talking to Zuckerberg that there was something that he would not do because it was wrong. Well, I guess we have to remember that Facebook was originally created to rate attractive women. So, you know, if you're starting from that as your your kind of value proposition, I I can't see how it gets better. Hmm. But I I guess having worked in a company myself, you know, having spent a little bit of time in a company that really had no moral compass, uh, I I just watched it roll downhill, right? The president did this, all the VPs did this. If you were a director, you, I'm going to just say you didn't, no, it was wrong. You didn't know that if you'd went to some other company, they'd look and say, you can't do that. That's not your money. You know, you shouldn't be touching that. You shouldn't be in that spot. You know, you shouldn't be expensing that because you mm. that's not the right thing to do. Just to maybe take this in a different direction too. It, it seems like there's a there's an underlying why, right? What's the upside? What's in it for consulting firms? Um I've heard certainly legal, that's made clear lines, as we've said, then risk. And, you know, Chris, to your point, not necessarily knowing what laws you might be running into, things like that. So there could be an upside for risk avoidance. But but is there more than that that we would offer uh, consulting firms certainly doing good and being moral? But is there opportunity? Is there opportunity in operating as an ethical consulting company? Is that advantage or another? I personally think it comes down to human to human interaction where people you'll be in the situations and they appreciate, you know, the perspective you bring and the ethics you bring and maybe the hard conversations you have or the things you do and don't do. But um, yeah, this is about the brand that you're building for yourself and the consultancy firm you work for. Right. So I think reputation stick and perhaps that's why the big accountancies have gone above and beyond the sort of, you know, requirements of their codes of conduct with lots of compliance training and obligations to report pretty much everything under the sun financial wise, because they are worried about their brand, you know, because their brand is what people buy, you know, they buy a trusted, you know, no one got fired for hiring, you know, IBM is the old saying when, you know, the same applies for the big consultancies. I think the capitalist system and sometimes company culture, uh, big company culture can force people to try and look for a way to climb their way up the corporate ladder. Now, is that I am a little bit more uh, flexible in my definition of billing hours or um, expenses or whatever, whatever it is, right? Because ultimately, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to advance my career or, or, or try and get better sales figures. You know, but, you know I don't know. It's, I, I do worry sometimes the capitalist system incentivizes in the wrong way. And, and people aren't bad people, but they become... Uh, perhaps incentivized to do things that are unethical because they see a commercial capitalist sort of advantage to 
you know, kind of acting in that way, um, which, you know, they're in conflict around. So at Phil's point, about the th- three questions, which one, which one will send me to jail? Which one can I go and get away with? People are kind of, some people I think look for that sort of fine line that they can kind of skate on. Uh, but I think sometimes they perhaps struggle to sleep at night because they know in their heart of hearts, they're not really playing fair. I would like to think that that's true. I'm not so sure it is. I, well, yeah, no, I, I, I'm right. I mean, we would like to all hope that we are mostly good actors, but the thing is we've all seen folks who aren't, and some of them run very large organizations. Uh, you know, this, it, it almost seems to me sometimes, right. Like we talk about like the thin veneer of civilization, right? Like when, when there, when there are no consequences, Maybe it starts, maybe it's a top down. Maybe it starts at the top. Maybe it is like, you know, here are the damn rules. And if you don't follow them, here's what happens. And in the absence of that, human beings do what human beings do, which is push as far as they can without going to jail. Or in some cases, they do go to jail. Yeah. I know it's a pretty dark, I know it's a dark take, Wendy. It's a dark take. I know. And, it, and it's also contextual too, right? I just think about travels to different parts of the world and what is would be appalling in certain countries and other countries is just sort of the way things work, right? So there's also that context as well. Bribery, right? Bribery. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I immediately yep. went to the phrase facilitation payment. Yeah. Nice. In some places it's, it's customary and that's the way that business is done. Yeah. If you don't do it, you don't get your business done. So yeah. Does it it's become unethical, right? Does it become unethical then to pay off the guy because he's expecting a bribe? Is that unethical? Let's take that example. Okay, I think that's a great one. Is it unethical in that case? Because it would go against my internal moral code, right? I, I, I just but, I can't bribe someone, right? I just, yeah, the thing is, even in countries in which it is de rigueur, if you are us and you are doing business out of one of our countries, it is illegal. <laughs> so it's super clear. You're, it is a bright line, right? But, but, but look at the Western uh, world and I'm going to take someone out for a thousand dollar dinner. Okay. Yep. How is right. that really any different to a facilitation payment? Yeah. Looks different. Well, no, I, I, I understand your point exactly. And the, the thing is, and we, in at least in the U.S., have made some of those illegal, <laughs> right? Yeah. And some you can no longer, I mean, for example, in the consultancy side, added towards med- medical doctors and stuff, there are now limits around what you can do mm-hmm. and it be legal still. So I think and that's a case where the law finally catches up and says, well, we left a little hole here and this kind of got out of the way, you know, speakers fees and stuff like that or whatever. You know those kinds of things, right? We're, we're, we're still waiting for those speakers' fees from from Chris, right? Yeah. Well, I, I need you know. By the way, I don't know if you guys know about the Swamp Rabbit Cafe and grocery. Um, they have lots of very sustainable, locally sourced products in beautiful Greenville, South Carolina, uh, right on the Reedy River. And there's a beautiful bike trail, Oliver. You would love it. Um, I don't know how many miles, Phil. Dozens and dozens of miles of bike trails um, along the river. Yeah. Fantastic. And you can stop at the Swamp Rabbit Cafe and grab coffee. Sandwich. So back to bribery and extortion. Um, no, but I think, you know, so yeah, like, 
there, and, and the point I was making earlier about like PCI compliance, right? You feel you're right. There are some, there are rules around what's legal and what's not in terms of gifts, but corporations have also, we've worked for corporations where they say, listen, if you get anything that's worth more than 25 bucks, you have to report it. And you know, who wants to be reporting gifts that are more than $25? You're just like, I'll, I'll pay for my own dinner. Thank you, Mr. Consultant. I'm paying for my own dinner. You know, the question we were trying to get at, I think, is as a consultant, how do you make these? And the thing is, there are, again, we've got some places where it's codified. It's a law. It's a company policy or it's Chris's heart of hearts, right? I mean, what do I think is right? And I think some piece of that might be, you know, to help you as a consultant sort of make a decision where the, where the other rules are not so clear is... Is it a thing you could be transparent about without consequence? That's a really good way of putting it. Could you tell your mother about it and not feel bad? My mother wouldn't understand. My mother just told me, just, I just got off the phone with her. And she said, I was telling people how good you are at what you do, but I told them I don't know what it is. <laughs> I was like, thanks, mom. I feel good about that. And it seems like an honest take. <laughs> So, so does a consultant's does a consultant's code of ethics start internally, or is it no. or is it shaped top down by, cultural. by policy? It's cultural starts with culture. culture. None of us were born. I mean, there's a very few things that we were born with, right? We we're born with a sense of fairness, and you know, and I think we can figure out the the uh, what is it the Malaman say issues, right? Versus malum prohibitum. Malum and say is something we know is fundamentally wrong. And malum prohibitum is something we wrote a law about because we couldn't have figured it out on our own, right? So the malum and say, you know, don't murder, that kind of stuff. Don't steal. Those are kind of super clear. Well, and just then, to be clear, though, those had to be written down, right? Well, no, but I mean, I think even the, from a clarity standpoint, right? It's different, right? In some places, like um, if, if you killed the guy, I mean, you killed him, but you had to pay for it, right? There was a cost. I mean, there was a, what is it called? The Ver Guild, right? I mean, basically, if you killed this cat, he, you know, if he was this person in society, he was worth this much money and you just paid the family off and went off and did something else. Hmm. I mean, you just kept going. So um, it's not, you know, murder was not always a capital crime. Particularly uh, if it was in, in the name of a, a, a war to conquer another land, right? Well, in that case, right, it might even not be, it's not just uh, not prohibited, it's encouraged. <laughs> and if you didn't do it, you would get, you would, you would get in trouble. So right. anyway, it was on sorry, the other I'll, side. I'll, no, yeah. but you're, to your point, right? So that, you know, that was back to where, like Wendy was talking about earlier, it can be contextual. But to mm -hmm. ask yourself this question, in what context am I operating? What are the laws and bright lines and rules that are supplied to me? Is there an opportunity to question those and so I can understand them better, et cetera? And, figure out. and then after that, it's what, what do uh, wisdom, courage, temperance, and justice tell me to do in this situation? Because I don't have them otherwise. I got to figure this out. I was just going to say, too, and, and to that last point you made there, thinking about a very real um, entrepreneur in um, an emerging country where uh, where corruption is okay, starting a business that says against all costs, we are not going to deal in any corrupt ways. We're not going to deal in any bribery, pushing against the system to make a statement to try to operate in a different way. So, yeah. What about some of these, I don't know, less clear things that, you know, we I'll go back to the thing we were referencing before, right? It's like uh, one of the things on there, you know, is like, you know, 
uh, do not go beyond your expertise, right? Or don't, don't skip discovery as part of a consulting engagement. Those get to be sort of like, you know, well, that's not how I do my consulting. Or, you know, in other words, it almost becomes like, I do it this way and you do it that way, as opposed to like a codified code of ethics. Well, you yeah. don't skip discovery because that's at least two weeks worth of billable hours that you're missing. Well, that's true. <laughs> well, or not taking on things you're not qualified for because that's opportunities to learn and expand. So those mm-hmm. become very slippery. Yeah. Well, that, that's a really good point. If I don't take on something I, I'm, you know, that I'm on the cusp of maybe not being qualified to do, how do I learn anything? Yeah, I, I think some of these some of these are are interesting, right? And I I do think I do think you know um, that the consulting industry, and I I mean across all types of consulting, I think about IT, right? And like developers using good comments in code, right? There there are standards, and then I think there are rules, right? And I think the rules are some of the things, Phil, that you were talking about, right? You know, do no evil, right? Maybe is one of them, etc. But then I think there are these other things that are like these are the, this is the professional code of standards as opposed to the code of ethics, right? There are ethics and there are standards. Yeah. And neither one of them are really well defined. Maybe standards more in some cases are better defined than ethics, but I think both of them need to be, somebody's got to write these down, right? And and help us understand what they are. Let, let, let me throw out an, another one. Uh, how about selling a piece of work based on certain profiles of experience and expertise and then you find actually what you get is very green, very new consultants. I mean, that that is something that people talk people talk about that all the time, right? And I know some organizations, some consultancies are worse at it than others. But the whole point you were saying earlier about not having the experience, well, the way to do that is to have someone more more senior who should be over the top of this project. But how many of those sorts of people have we seen who are supposed to be on top of, I don't know, 50 projects? And the reality is they can't be on top of them. So this this stuff gets really tricky to kind of say what is right and wrong, I think sometimes, but yeah. Yeah, interesting. Now, um, in that one, that was like that number, the one we were talking about that Chris talked about and Oliver referenced the do not go beyond your own expertise. I think that one's poorly written myself. I think it would be do not misrepresent your expertise mm-hmm. that you're bringing to this, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that seems like something I could get behind, right? It's like, hey, guess what? We're, I know this, this, and this, and I'm bringing all of that to your project. If you expected me to know blank, that's a thing we're going to pick up as we go along. I'm just going to let you know that right here, right now. For the cats on the ground, right? What is what is the practical advice around ethics? Well, we've opened up a lot of interesting topics here, actually. Um, yeah. I think absent of standards and in, in, in ethics that are really solid and clear, I think at a minimum, just the reflection for individuals on what they believe and where their lines are. But I also think we're in a very interesting shifting world where what's okay today is not necessarily okay tomorrow. So even more important that I think, you know, when we think about our own individual integrity brand behavior is to yeah, be looking ahead a little bit um, and and thinking about, you know, what's the impact on on all stakeholders, really? and 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 knowing that how we show up as individuals, we can hopefully influence others to to make changes and and act with integrity as well. I agree with Wendy, and I think I would add to that, trust your guts. Um, if if you see things being modeled by those above you that you perhaps don't agree with, uh, it can sometimes be really difficult. But trust your moral compass and your gut. I mean, there are often 
ways of raising concerns about you know ethics, uh, particularly in larger firms, to you know um, governance and compliance kind of partners or what have you. And I think that's that's always a route that's open to you because the, 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 what the consultancy firms don't want is some big issue blowing up, right? So actually, what's far better is to try and nip this in the bud, as as, as we say here in the UK, a bit of a gardening term, I think, and prevent uh, this becoming a big, you know, embarrassing issue to the brand because the brand ultimately is, you know, it's your own. It's about your own personal brand, but it's also about the kind of organisation you work for and uh, making sure that the standards uh, match the kind of aspirations of the brand. So, yeah, I, I would say if you're not comfortable with it, you feel, you know, awkward. You, you it's at odds with your sense of, of ethical code it's your it, you should find a way of reporting that you know internally and and, and, and escalating that you know I, I like this idea of you know if you're doing something and you would be totally okay with everyone you know knowing all the details of whatever it is that you're doing maybe it's a, I, mean, I don't know if it's okay but at the very least it's at least in alignment with what you think is okay right um, you know, if it's, you know, God, you know, I really hope, uh, someone doesn't find out that, um, I don't know, bribing the guy or whatever, right. Um, then that's probably not something you should be doing. And, you know, I, I think there's even, you know, already sort of alluded to it, right. It's a little bit like, you know, there may be rules for, for professional conduct in this company, but I am not comfortable bribing somebody. And even though that's what is expected as, you know, so I got to go find another job if I'm going to adhere to that that ethical moral code. I don't know. Phil, last, last thoughts. You're going to bring up stoicism because you want to hear what Marcus Aurelius would have to say about, about that. I already brought it up. I mean, we passed right by it. We, you know, we'll do what wisdom, courage, temperance, and justice tell you to do. Right. I think in um, the thing, I think from a practical wisdom standpoint, right. I, I would, I want to take what Oliver said, just like one more step. And that is if you're feeling uncomfortable with something, ask. Just lay it out and say, hey, you know what? I'm not comfortable here. Should I be? Am I misunderstanding something? But I think too much of the time, we want to demonstrate competence. We want to appear integrated when we are not integrated. We are questioning the moment. It's okay to ask questions. That's your job, for God's sake. You're a consultant. Your job is to ferret out to the truth of the matter. And you do that by asking questions. So ask. Wendy, you, you pointed out we've opened a, a lot of cans. And as usual, we, we didn't like eat all the beans out of every one of them. But um, I think, you know, <laughs> I think there's more to talk about in some of these things. I really want to pursue the idea of, you know, is there a list of rules that we should abide by as consultants? And I, there's probably more in that thread. And um, anyway, I, for another time. But anyway, listen, thank you, um, Phil Yanoff, Oliver Cronk, Wendy Keen. Uh, I'm Chris Lockhart. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we will see you next time.